Introducing the new way to play Daily Fantasy with Jack Market. Jack Market is where Daily Fantasy Sports becomes a stock exchange. Buy and sell shares of players with other users in real time. Make money every hour, every minute, every second of every game. Daily contests are live for the NBA, PGA, and the NFL. Take control of your fantasy sports experience and download Jack Market now in the App Store. Android coming soon. On the lookout for injury updates on this episode of Fantasy Football in 15. What's up, everyone? Welcome in to Fantasy Football in 15 here at The Athletic. I am Michael Beller, joined by Derek Van Riper. Week 3 now fully behind us. We are getting ready to turn the page over to week four. Of course, it's Tuesday, which means it is waiver day in the fantasy football world. We got that started on Monday's episode of Fantasy Football in 15, of course, and also Monday's episode of the Athletic Fantasy Football Podcast. DVR and I are here to put a cherry on top of that Monday, Sunday. How about that, DVR? How do you like that? What's going on, man? The Monday, Sunday. I love it. <laughs> oh, man, that just came to me in the moment. I feel like I should uh, like go play the lottery or something with uh, a turn <laughs> of phrase that clever. I can't possibly lose today, right? Uh, let's, uh, let's start talking about this here. We did get some injury updates on Monday, things we knew about on Sunday, but we got a little bit more clarity on Monday. So let's go over some of those. The first of them is Chris Carson. He has what is termed a first-degree knee sprain. Seahawks aren't saying anything as yet as to what his timetable for getting on the field might be, and that means that maybe he does play in Week 4 against the Dolphins. But Adam Schefter uh, is hearing that perhaps it's a one- to two-week timetable. So sort of what we thought when we talked about this on Monday's episode, something that's not too serious but could cost Carson some time. So that leaves us with Carlos Hyde potentially leading this backfield. Let's say it is that one- to two-week timetable, and we do know that for sure. How, how interested are you in Carlos Hyde on the waiver wire this week? I would say he's comparable interest-wise to maybe where Deion Lewis was last week. So you're looking at maybe 12 to 15% of a budget if you really need a running back. I don't know if you have to do much more than keep the rest of the league honest in situations where you've got plenty of talent at running back. If you're not really making a tough decision for RB2 or for flex, each and every week, there's no reason to go overboard for a guy who's probably only going to get that opportunity for week four and maybe for week five, since it sounds like the Carson injury news turned out maybe a bit better than we expected. It looked pretty bad at the time when it happened on Sunday afternoon, and it could still be a timeshare too. It could be Hyde as the primary ball carrier, but someone else like Travis Homer possibly taking on some passing down work. So it might be a less than Chris Carson sort of workload for Hyde, even though it's a decent matchup against the Dolphins. Yeah, I'm thinking definitely behind Rex Burkhead and Miles Gaskin. Those seem to be the guys who are the top two widely available waiver waiver wire running backs for week four. I think Carson, or excuse me, Hyde is comfortably behind those two guys. I would put him on the same level perhaps as Jeff Wilson, who we are thinking is maybe going to get a little bit more run for the 49ers with Jarek McKinnon now dealing with a rib injury. We know Tevin Coleman is going to be out for a couple of weeks. Raheem Mostert could return for the team in week four. I would put 
hide slightly above him because if Carson does miss this game, then we know at least Carson is going to be the primary ball carrier for Seattle. But agree with the way that you put it generally. Definitely not a break the piggy bank situation. Definitely something where I wouldn't go overboard. Even if I needed someone, if I was desperate for running back talent, it's just hard to get too excited about a guy if you know he's only going to be in your lineup one, maybe two times max. And uh, and then he's going to give the starting gig and the big uh, share of the pie back to Chris Carson. Chris Godwin returned from a concussion in week three, but had to leave the Buccaneers game because of a hamstring injury. This is one we are going to keep our eyes on over the week. Obviously, we want to see Chris Godwin in there healthy in week four. So fingers crossed that all news coming from Tampa on Godwin is good news. Chase Young also leaving Washington's game with a groin injury. And this is one that, you know, maybe you think we wouldn't talk about too much in the fantasy world, but you know, our love for the Washington defense is built around that front four and its ability to get pressure on the quarterback without any additional rushers. Chase Young obviously is key to that effort. So I think if Chase Young is off the board for Washington DVR for as long as that would be the case, I really have no interest in this defense any longer. Yeah, they got the Ravens coming up in week four and the Rams in week five. So I think it's easy to tap out, let them go for a couple of weeks, maybe revisit the situation in week six when the Washington football team takes on the Giants. Yeah, that's uh, that's going to be a very fun team to pick on all year. Both of those New York teams, the Giants and the Jets, uh, teams that we are going to be feasting on with fantasy defenses, it looks like, all season long. We've got some news coming out of Chicago. These were both situations that we felt pretty good about on Monday morning. By Monday afternoon, we had official word on both of them. Tariq Cohn did, in fact, tear his ACL in the Bears' win over the Falcons. He is done for the season. Nick Foles officially named the starter, and Matt Nagy made very clear, not just for Week 4, but our starter, quote, going forward. So the Mitch Trubisky era has come to an unceremonious end in Chicago. Nick Foles takes over as this team starter, of course, led them to a huge comeback against the Falcons, a 20 to nothing fourth quarter surge by the Bears to move to 0-3. Uh, Derek, I think Nick Foles jumps right onto the stream radar for traditional one quarterback leagues. Not sure I necessarily, necessarily love him in week four against Indianapolis, but I do think he is going to be part of that discussion week in, week out for the rest of the season. Yeah, you look ahead the next couple of weeks, string him week four, eh, you could do it if you had to, maybe more of like a 14-team league sort of situation. They get the Bucks in week five, there's a little bit of sneaky shootout potential there. It is a Thursday night game, so maybe you temper the expectations slightly. And then they get the Panthers in week six. So there's going to be a few spots. And I think part of this also hinges on how well the Bears' defense begins to gel. This is not a typical Bears defense. This is a it defense isn't. that is leaking points and yards. I still can't believe they were behind as much as they were against the Lions in week one. I think that's probably the most indicative performance of what to expect week to week until they show us something otherwise. So I think part of the appeal with Foles is that this is not the ultra-conservative, run the ball, only throw it 28 to 30 times sort of Bears offense. This might be a more wide-open passing attack with Nagy now having one of his guys at the helm. Yeah, and you saw it against Atlanta once Foles took over, and granted, it was the Atlanta defense, but still, three touchdowns led by Nick Foles, three touchdown drives, and then the two drives that didn't result in touchdowns uh, were a drop touchdown pass by Anthony Miller on fourth down, and a play that was originally called a touchdown that was overturned dubiously, I might add, to an interception, uh, taking a touchdown away from Allen Robinson. So five possessions for Nick Foles, three touchdowns, one maybe should have been a touchdown, and 
and one drop touchdown. So if this is a defense that forces the Bears to have to throw it a little bit more than we expect from a traditional Chicago Bears team, Nick Foles, at least in his first half of Chicago Bears action, looked up to the task. And man, you know, whoever's got that Thursday night game is just crossing their fingers that they get to do some Foles, Brady, uh, Eagles, Patriots, Super Bowl rematch, but on different teams' graphics. They've probably already started to fire those up. Speaking of fired up, Manscaped, they're fired up to make sure that you don't gamble on shaving the same way that you gamble on football. They do that with the Lawnmower 3.0, the best hygiene tool out there for the modern man. It's got a ceramic blade, it's got skin safe technology, both of those patented, and that means that your nicks and snags, they're going to be totally reduced. The Lawnmower 3.0 is also waterproof and has an LED light on it. You can get 20% off and free shipping when you go to manscaped.com slash the athletic. That is 20% off and free shipping when you go to manscaped.com slash the the athletic talking about erectile dysfunction isn't easy usually we brush it off we blame ourselves we just say some sort of lame excuse that gets us out of the conversation but with roman it is a whole lot easier to talk about because you get to do so with a real healthcare professional who can prescribe real medication with roman you can get a free online evaluation and ongoing care for ed all from the comfort and privacy of your home a healthcare professional will work with you to find the best treatment plan if medication is appropriate roman will ship it to you with free two-day shipping the whole process is straightforward it is simple and most importantly it is totally discreet go to getroman.com football 15 today if approved you'll get 15 dollars off your first order of ed treatment that's getroman.com football 15 getroman.com football 15 all right from the team in chicago we go out west to a team in denver broncos playing on thursday night football broncos and jets get Fired up for this one, Derek, Jeff Driscoll, or maybe Brett Rippon for Sam Darnold and the banged-up New York Jets. Talk about those quarterbacks in a second, but first, Philip Lindsay uh, is on track to return and play on Thursday with that after uh, the turf toe injury has cost him a couple of games, so good news there, certainly for Lindsay. You do have to wonder what sort of offensive environment is he returning to. Jeff Driscoll looked you know, downright dreadful uh, in week three, eventually gave the reins over to Brett Rippon. Uh, right now, Vic Fangio is saying that uh, he is unsure as to who will get the start on Thursday between Driscoll and Rippin Blake Bortles, who the team signed last week, not in the conversation. So I've got a two-prong question for you. First, how comfortable would you be rolling Lindsey out there in his first game back? And second, because of this quarterback play, how concerned are you about all the skill players in Denver, Lindsey included? Not very interested in Lindsey right away. I think they'd be wise to just wait one more week, let him have the extra time to recover after playing on this Thursday. I don't think Lindsay's going to make a huge difference for them because they have another healthy back in Melvin Gordon. The quarterback play is going to be such a disaster anyway. You know why bother? And they could probably win this game without Lindsay. So that's the other factor uh, that you have to consider as well. The quarterback play though is much worse than I thought. I actually thought Driscoll played really well against the Steelers uh, coming off the bench in Week Two. That made me kind of optimistic that he could keep this offense afloat until Drew Locke came back. Those expectations are generally out the window, but the Jets are so amazingly bad. <laughs> I almost yes. wonder if this game goes over. Even though there's so many things going wrong and it could turn into a gross Thursday night punt fest, Like two really bad teams can surprise us in a good way sometimes. And Sam Darnold kind of needs it on the other side. The Broncos have a few interesting young players. and you know, Noah Fant, Jerry Judy still healthy among them. So I think there's a 
a weird scenario in which this game actually becomes fun, even though it has such a high probability of being utter trash. God, there was a game a few years ago. And unfortunately, this is fantasy football in 15, so we don't have a ton of time to go on a tangent. But remember, it was still the Jeff Fisher Rams, and I can't remember who they were playing. It was two bad teams. It was a Thursday night game. Everyone was making fun of it, leading into it. And then it was like 45-42 to 42 was the final. It was one of the most fun games of the year. I can't remember exactly what the circumstances were, but maybe that's what we get here. Maybe that's what we get here with Jeff Driscoll or Brett Rippon against Sam Darnold and the banged-up Jets. I'm with you. I wouldn't trust Philip Lindsay. I feel fine about Melvin Gordon. Jerry Judy's dealing with a little bit of an injury of his own, so sort of iffy on him too. Probably the only person I'm starting in this game with any degree of confidence is Melvin Gordon. Uh, let's move on to the Philadelphia Eagles. This team now going back years just cannot stay healthy. The latest guy to go down with an injury, Dallas Goddard. He is going to miss some time officially. Uh, Eagles saying that on Monday because of his ankle injury. Deshaun Jackson suffered a hamstring injury in the tie with the Bengals. Uh, that is not expected to be a serious injury. Of course, being a burner, being in his mid-30s, could still cost him a game, maybe two at the most, but the Eagles don't sound too concerned about that. But now you add Goddard to uh, Jalen Rager, maybe to Deshaun Jackson. Alshon Jeffrey is ramping up his practice activity this week, but still no sure thing to play in week four. Are you chasing Greg Ward, eight catches, 72 yards, and a touchdown in the game against Cincinnati? Are you interested at all in Alshon Jeffrey, knowing that as we sit here right now, he's probably one of the more healthy guys uh, in that pass-catching group of Eagles? I don't like this group at all. I'm losing the faith in Carson Wentz, and I realize that injuries on the offensive line could be a complicating factor for this team as well, but I think Jeffrey and Ward sort of take value away from each other. I'm beginning to think that Jeffrey's actually into that physical decline phase where it's unfair to expect him to be a true number one again. I think if he ends up being maybe the third option through the air on this team, it's going to be five to six targets per week most weeks. That's just not enough to get by on, so not very excited about Jeffrey where available. I think Ward's just kind of a, a temporary filler for your lineup at best. I don't really want to start him unless I absolutely have to. So this is turning into a situation that outside of Miles Sanders, outside of the two tight ends with Ertz and Goddard, I'm generally trying to stay away from the Eagles whenever possible. I'm totally with you, man. I mean, Miles Sanders is still doing his thing. Pretty remarkable that he's been as good as he has in two games, considering how the Eagles have played as a whole and how the and the fact that he was coming off the injury that he suffered, you know, right toward the end of training camp, and that he was able to get back on the field within a couple of weeks. And he's been very effective. And you know, things don't seem to be shaping up just yet for these Philadelphia Eagles. I don't think they're going to shape up really all season, but it doesn't seem to be playing to the detriment of, of uh, Miles Sanders in the fantasy world, so that you can still feel good about. I think Alshon Jeffrey becomes mildly interesting when he does return, but it is all because of the lack of other options there. If Jalen Rager were healthy, if uh, Dallas Goddard were healthy, and I don't think he is going to be healthy when Jeffrey returns, then I would have no interest in him too. But those passes have got to go somewhere, and they can't all go to Miles Sanders and Zach Gertz. So I could see some short-term value in Alshon Jeffrey, but beyond that, I am with you. Really don't want to have anything to do with this Philadelphia offense, and that unfortunately includes Carson Wentz as well. I think for the time being, he is on the stream radar at best, not someone who I want the uh, my one-quarterback league teams in the hands of. It just has not been pretty for him. And even last year, when he got his way to a top-10 quarterback season, it was a real slog for him. So 
Definitely seen some brighter days in Philly in the past. Maybe there are some brighter days in the future, but hard to be excited about where this team is right now and potentially for the rest of 2020. One more injury note here before we wrap things up. Michael Pittman had calf surgery on Monday. He is going to miss multiple weeks, so perhaps that opens the door for Mo Ali Cox to remain involved even with Jack Doyle. Back and healthy, of course, Paris Campbell is going to be out for a significant stretch of time here as too. So uh, Indianapolis suddenly becoming a very skinny tree team. T.Y. Hilton, Jonathan Taylor, Naeem Hines, perhaps the tight ends. Maybe they get Zach Pascal a little bit involved. Maybe they go make a wide receiver signing. But this is a team that too has had more than its fair share of injuries on the offensive side of the ball. And that's going to do it for this episode of Fantasy Football in 15. If you are not yet an athletic subscriber, you can still get yourself in the door for just $1 a month. Go do that at theathletic.com slash football in 15. For DVR, I am Michael Beller. Fantasy Football in 15 will be back with you tomorrow. Until then, thanks for listening and have a great day.